0: nuns in the wall no that's not the name of the show (laughs) hello you are listening to great culture the podcast where we talk about wine pop culture and feminism i'm kim i'm sam and we hope you enjoy the show
1: this week's episode we are talking about the woman in the wall off of the bbc Mm -hmm. something slightly creepy and spooky yes for spooktober eerie i guess eerie Eerie. but before we get into that we have some wine and sam what is it why is it here
0: why is it here why is is it in this house okay so before before the show we did our usual fuck we haven't got a wine and how dare you I, i mean it was we at least two days before. Meticulously in advance. We're doing so well with this. <laughs> and Kim very thoughtfully went and found a wine which was called Wallflower. It was a Riesling from our local shop, Novel Wines. And I went in there today to pick it up, and it turns out they're having a refurb. Oh, no. So everything is chaos. <laughs> and i showed much like the show much like this show and i showed the lady the picture and the lady went i've no idea what that is can i get <laughs> you anything else and i just went oh riesling because i panicked and didn't know what to do and so she gave me this which is called vice and it is a welch riesling 21 and the label reads Die Hanna will ja ein Wein für alle machen und für jeden Antas. Genau da kommen wir ins Spiel. Sie sagt immer easy drinking und künst uns dann Wörter wie spritzig und trinkig entgegen. Äh, sie meint ja, wer was Gutes will, der muss halt auch ein bisschen spinnen. Und filtriert, naturbelassen und etwas verrückt es, äh, ist das alles, aber uns können nicht besser gehören. Bussi Babi und Feu den That was brilliant. Danke. I don't know what it means, except easy drinking.
1: <laughs> yeah, that bit was like listening to my mum speak to my sister
0: to her sister on the phone where what, she'd be like blah
1: blah 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 microwave like
0: I'm sorry what? Sure. But I do have some tasting notes for it, so okay. uh, they're somewhere around. Also I'm really sorry to any German listeners who just l- 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 had to endure me murdering their language.
1: Yeah, we were
0: the English. We do, we do. Okay, so this is a juicy and natural white wine, bursting with grapefruit, from winemaker Hannah gladzer You'll like this if you like punchy Catalonian natural whites with character, or very well-made vintage single natural side, vintage single variety ciders. It's full of juicy notes of apple, grapefruit, and herbs—any herbs—and it goes well with roasted trout with dill, scallops, sushi, cabbage and dumplings, or cured meats. Also Cornish Yarg. Roasted trout. Specific. Very specific. Herbs. <laughs> Herbs. Herbs. Herbst. Oh yeah, we, we are in Herbst now because we're in autumn. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Good good luck and godspeed. It's very cloudy. It looks like scrumpy. We'll see what it happens. It does. It smells like apples. Oh, I don't hate it. Kim does hate it. There's a face happening. It's very sweet. I think possibly it's less sweet than the wine I've just been having, so it doesn't taste very sweet to me, so possibly... That went straight to my the back of my throat. This is like cloudy apple juice. It did say if you like single variety ciders. So cloudy apple juice. Yes. Skull! <laughs> Woohoo!
1: I mean, I'll drink it fast, so that's good. Um, so, cloudy apple juice wine. Pretty... Would you call it murky? No. Okay. I, I see where you're going there but i wouldn't
0: right well fuck me
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say it's it's easy drinking easy going and light in color unlike this show
0: oh my god this show so very very dark very moody which was the vibe we were going for because it is autumn it is the time to watch and imbibe imbibe in just put things into your mind that are dark sure cool And this was definitely that. Kim, do you want to give a a short summary of The Woman in the Wall? I can fucking try. I fucking try. Um, As much as you can with as many twists and turns.
1: Yes. The Woman in the Wall is a six-part TV series on the BBC that follows Lorna Brady, who is a woman living in a small town in Ireland Mm -hmm. who, you come to learn, has previously had a child in a convent mother and baby homes so she is one of a group of women in this town that was at this convent that suffered at the hands of these nuns and the priest responsible for placing her in the convent is found murdered Mm -hmm. she comes under suspicion she also discovers a dead body in her own home of a former nun at this convent and bricks it up in her wall for reasons (laughs) the show follows lorna and Coleman akande a detective who is investigating the murder of the priest and the disappearance of the nun former nun as they grapple with the history of mother and baby homes and what are called magdalene laundries if you don't know what those are these are these convents that were turned into essentially slave labour laundry mills for women, really for most of the 19th century.
0: And 20th century. Sorry, I
1: meant 20th century. But it, was about, it was like 200 years of this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that have come under a lot of investigation and scrutiny and are still kind of being discovered for how terrible they were even now. They investigate that, they grapple with the history of that, they're in relationship with that, they're trying to find lost children, they're trying to find answers, they're trying to find murderers, and they're trying to find, I guess, their own selves in amongst that, to be terribly poetic. And it follows them predominantly and a, a cast of characters in the town who are also kind of grappling with this local history the kind of Mars there we're a nice tight-knit community vibe mm. it's pretty bleak hmm it's pretty dark it's definitely really interesting yeah what did you think of it did you first of all did you have anything to add
0: so yeah I th- I mean I think you've summed up pretty well and it's it's kind of a thriller kind of a kind of a mystery sort of hints of supernatural but not really properly a ghost story I guess yeah Um, social commentary as well yeah social commentary to be honest with you when we picked this show we picked it based on the recommendation of a couple of people who listened to the podcast Mm -hmm. and I had no idea what it was about same yes and I thought it was going to be much more supernatural I thought it was going to be like jonathan creek (laughs) nice basically kind of cozy but spooky thing (laughs) definitely not cozy that's Um, not what
1: i thought i thought that it was that she discovered a body in her wall right doing home renovations and they like got the bottom of where the body came from right okay we were both wrong
0: yeah yeah, it's much more to do with this hidden aspect of, well, not hidden so much now, but this formerly hidden aspect of Irish history. Yeah, did you know much about the Magellan Laundries before this show?
1: Yes, because I went on a Wikipedia rabbit hole not so long ago, and how was it still happening in 1996 Yeah, when I was listening to the Spice Girls, you know, like... Yeah, uh, baffling, um or whatever it was that I was listening to in 1996, but I assume it was probably the Spice Girls.
0: Yeah, it turns out history wasn't actually that long ago.
1: Or we're old, but or we're still. Old. No, I I kind of feel like it's never a good time for this shit to happen, but no. it does feel so archaically cruel that you think it needs to be in a pre- previous century yeah. to the one that you were born in.
0: At least, yeah, if not like 300 yeah. years. But yeah, this I, this was very dark in mm. terms of exploring not just what the the people who had children went through in terms of the trafficking and being made to believe their children were dead but actually they weren't they were being sold to someone else but also the torture and the abuse that went on for any woman again it's all girls mm. of quote-unquote loose morals mm-hmm. which could be anything i mean mm-hmm. the fact they had someone in there that was like she the, was pretty she was pretty and they thought that the men would sleep with her so yeah. they locked her up it's just it's baffling i mean I,
1: i was very aware of this kind of stuff happening but it always has seemed very distant removed and then watching this ruth wilson is who plays lorna who plays lorna is seven years older than us
0: oh spit in my mouth that is horrible
1: and I think in this show she is supposed to be playing someone. Maybe I think she's meant to be about forty-five. Yeah, maybe ten yeah. years older than us, but still, yeah. like yeah. ten, fifteen years older than us, but still, like, it's it's completely insane to me to think how recent this is. And I think one of the points that this show makes, which I really liked, was. It was a really good investigation of the ripple effect and the repercussions of trauma and i think that we've seen this in a lot of different things there's there's the stolen aboriginal children in um australia new zealand canada there's a lot of there's a history all throughout the 20th century of children being removed from their birth homes through prejudice and money laundering essentially Mm -hmm. greed Uh, greed yeah and i don't remember all of it because i don't have that much brain space but that's because there's a huge magnitude of this horrible stuff being happening and i thought that this show handled it quite well in an informative way that made it really resonant really present really got to the heart of it and did it in a way that centered those stories So that's the thing that I really liked about this show, that it it centred both the parent and the child, and to a lesser extent, but still, the community around, because there are a lot of different parents and children in this show who were affected, and most of those, we didn't see all of them, and we didn't see the people that sent their children to these schools, Mm -hmm. convents, laundries... Um, which I think was a notable and deliberate omission. But we did see the effects of how hurt everyone in this sphere is, with the exception of the people that profited by it. And even then, I think we we saw some element of how they were hurt as well. And I thought that that was something that I did really like about the show, as much as you can like a show about child trafficking. I thought that it was handled in such a way that was informative and conscientious while still being a plot that you could kind of get behind, mm. I
0: guess. Yeah.
1: Rather than like a straight up documentary.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think having a narrative and a character to, ha- to hang on to, as with any of these stories about traumatic events in time, yeah. really makes a difference in terms of empathy and, and, yeah, hooking on to the subject matter, right? Um, what did you like not like about this show, Sam? What did I like slash not like? So I think that it was, like you say, it was, it was very well done um, in terms of handling the subject matter. Although I do always feel with these kind of stories, um, there can be an element of revelling in the misery of others. Mm-hmm. And I think this show tried to not do that. Mm. In that it didn't, in terms of the flashbacks to the times spent in the laundry, I felt like they didn't do that very much. It was it was kept to a minimum, not to say that there wasn't misery throughout their lives and, and things. And I, I and I do worry sometimes with these kind of things that it's the same reason that I don't like war films, mm-hmm. is that I feel like you are using someone else's trauma for entertainment and obviously that's not always the case sometimes it's for education sometimes as we've just said it's to you know make people aware of things that have happened with Mm. a slightly more personal Mm. slant than just a documentary but i think this managed to kind of tread that line quite well Mm. um and i said to a friend of mine who who had recommended this who again listens to the podcast i was like oh my god i think it might be too bleak for me i don't know if i'm going to finish it Mm. and she was like oh i actually thought there were bits of it that were quite funny Mm. and i was like oh no (laughs) Now that you mention it, I, mm-hmm. yeah, there were some bits in it, and it, it did manage to kind of subtly get some of that humor in there. Mm. Whereas I thought it was just going to be all like sad, 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 which, admittedly, very sad su- subject, but you can't take in that much sad yeah. for six hours straight, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, there were definitely up. elements of humor. Like they yeah. weren't. It wasn't like a laugh track. Humor, no. Like. no, it was just that kind of quirking your eyebrow humor that you can have even in the middle of grief
0: yeah yeah very much that yeah i mean just the bit where the like the very first scene in the show is lorna waking because she sleepwalks there's all this you know these texture shots of the irish countryside and big cloudy skies Mm. and dry stone walls and fields and sheep and shit and shit (laughs) just close ups on shit but then and there's this poem being read about don't look for me in my grave, I am not there kind of mm. thing. Is this a poem? Is this a mm-hmm. recognisable poem? Yeah. What is it? Do not stand by my grave and weep. That one. And it's being sort of whispered in a weird, creepy way. Mm. And then you cut to this woman in a white nightgown in the road and then she wakes up and you it's, it's Lorna and she's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was disappointed at which I was like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, that's quite funny. I enjoyed the bit when she, just after that when she was walking through and she goes, what the
1: fuck are you looking at? <laughs> yeah. Did you notice, in that opening scene, the stigmata? Yes, I did, on the hand, yes. Yeah, yeah but yeah. also the hip.
0: Yes, with the... Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, I
1: kept waiting for that to not... And it never came up. And it never came up, and I was like, that's so... Subtle. Yeah. And clever, like, that this yeah. is this is the person who is going to, like, absolve these sins, or bring these sins to life, and take them yeah. on herself. And in the end, spoiler alert she does in a yeah. way take on these sins so that other people can get their answers i think that it was incredibly subtle and i think that there were a lot of references probably that it, that i didn't get because i am not a catholic yeah and i am not as well versed in catholic history and the catholic faith as i am in a lot of other things but even then i thought that that was that was really interesting I agree. I liked the humour. The bit that I was thinking of was, so Lorna spends a lot of time trying not to fall asleep because yes. she doesn't want to sleepwalk
0: because she doesn't want to hurt anyone. Yeah, because she doesn't understand, like she's not aware of what's happened. And, yeah. yeah.
1: And at one point she's reading like five five things that happen to you when you don't sleep. And one of them is like, you really crave snacks. And she's got like she's got, five, like, five packets of crisps around <laughs> yeah. her. Yeah. And she looks at it and she's just, like, what? and then this guy, Michael, comes over That's his name and he yeah. goes, That's a lot of crisps she goes, they're mine.
0: They're mine. Yeah <laughs> I love that. And then when he's like saying stuff to her, like, uh, she's like, You're a bit weird. Have you always been weird? <laughs> it's like, Ah says the sleepwalking arsonist eating five bags of crisps. Yes, yes. I quite like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. I liked
1: I liked her weirdness. Yeah. And her oddballness. And her Joan of Arc haircut. And her Joan of Arc haircut, <laughs> and, her of Arc haircut and her slightly like lazarus walk yeah this the stompy
0: sleep (laughs) the stompy sleep walk i enjoyed
1: that so i agree i think the humor was it was a Mm. nice touch to Mm. this moving on from what we did like what didn't you like
0: (sighs) oh dear i mean i don't really do gritty drama as a whole because life's gritty and sad enough so i wasn't necessarily on board with this show from the beginning I did think that I was just going to have to watch the first few episodes and then synopsis the rest mm. but I did watch the whole thing because it kind of went yeah we've hit you with a lot and we're going to continue to hit you with a lot because this is grim but we're going to give some hope in there and we're going to lighten, lighten it. Yeah. but I thought it was very heavy handed mm-hmm. in the first few episodes and I would have preferred a bit of a warm up I think rather than I feel like episodes 1 and 2 were just like BAM! Trauma! BAM! Murder! Mm -hmm. BAM! A bit much. But Mm -hmm. yeah, so for me I I would have liked that spread out a bit more. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing or just personal preference. I also think there were plot holes and there were also reaches of believability (sighs) in some of the plot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so one of the things that I had an issue with was, I mean, the show is called The Woman in the Wall. It is about this woman Aoife Cassidy. (laughs) That's her name. Aoife Cassidy, who was a former nun, who was involved in the selling and trafficking of these babies and taking them away. Eva Cassidy, not Eva Cassidy, who is the songbird woman. Eva mm-hmm. Cassidy mm-hmm. is the nun that comes around to see, basically is, is going to sort of make amends and tell the women who are in the convent where their children are, if they are still alive, and to help them. Spoiler, spoiler. But she suffers from a form of epilepsy that manifests as catalepsy catalepsy so sometimes she falls into these fits that make her seem dead mm-hmm. convenient dead convenient Odin sleep and it happens when she's in the convent and she doesn't take her, her vows to become a full a full nun and then it happens again when she's at Lorna's house and Lorna thinks she's dead, Lorna panics, walls are up. And then Eva comes to comes to not comes to life and then panics and finds a way through the wall up into the loft where she's dead. Mm. Um and the whole show is called "The Woman in the Wall," and then for about three episodes after the third episode, they just sort of forget that there was meant to be a woman in a like there's a dead woman in a wall who disappears because they open the wall up and she's not there, mm. and they don't think to explore the house when Lorna says, "I killed somebody. Look, she's in my wall," and then they open the wall and she's not there. They don't even think to do a sweep of the house, mm. and then she turns up in the loft dead. And I just feel like it was a very convenient expiration that Mm. she went in the loft and then died. Mm. Because if she had the energy to get up into a loft, she could have like climb a climb a fucking inside of a wall to get to the roof of someone's building. She has the energy to burst out of a poorly covered wall
1: Mm. and a roof with holes in it.
0: And a roof with holes in it with crows coming in. I thought that was bullshit.
1: I'm gonna add one more layer of bullshit. Please do. Layer of bullshit, which is the crows. When she's going through the wall, yeah, in the dark, yeah, she somehow doesn't leave a trail yeah. until her boot is where she starts. Convenient up. boot, yeah. Because when Lorna then goes through that same bit of
0: wall, she's swiping Sweeping away cobwebs. cobwebs away, and that really annoyed me. Yeah, I I thought the same thing because I was like, there'd be a gap. There'd be a gap in the cobwebs. If there's, since this house has been built, if there's all that cobweb, all that all that cobweb, mm. all those cobwebs, all that dust. Mm. There'd be a sign that someone had gone to Yeah. Through. So,
1: yeah, I think I kind of agree with you about plot holes. I that's one example, and obviously mm. it's the big example because it's the title. Mm-hmm. And definitely I thought that this film, this show was gonna be something else because of the title. And I yeah. I was like, as soon as she wasn't in the wall, I was like, why are they not finding her in the rest of the house? This is really and then I was like, how big is this house?
0: Yeah, because the camp, like the way it was shot made it seem like it was 400 feet tall. Yeah,
1: and and I agreed with you. And I agree that I almost think that The Woman in the Wall is a misleading title and a misleading grab. But then I also understand why if you're marketing this show, you're not exactly going to call it Let's Find My Trauma Baby. So, ah oh yes. And there were a couple of other sort of similar things where I just, I honestly, I almost think that like it needed two more episodes, but I felt like some areas were rushed or that some places didn't get resolution. And Mm. I I know that the idea is that, not everything gets resolution because this is a story nothing, yeah. that does not have a resolution for a lot of people and that's really the point that this show is trying to say is that this stuff is still yep. occurring this trauma lives on in generation after generation after generation i mean notably one of the figure, one of the characters in this show her mother was in a convent she her mother passed away she herself is pregnant and has a baby Nave. Like is, yeah. yeah, has a baby in the final, or is about to have her baby in the final episode. Yeah. And she is trying to come to terms with, you know, she's trying to get restitution for the people that have been in this convent. And she herself is, you know, then basically bearing her child in this trauma. But at the same time, I was sort of frustrated that things got not investigated or not focused on. And I think part of it is because this is a show that centers around a law enforcement investigation and a law enforcement investigation in which the guy is like I'm not taking any fucking shit i expect i expected a little bit more of the law happening
0: yeah So, Coleman, who is the detective investigating the... Well, he starts out investigating the murder of the priest. Mm -hmm. And then that becomes sort of investigating the disappearance of of the nun of Aoife. And then he just kind of gets too emotional and gets pulled off the case because he's too volatile, because reasons. You're a loose cannon. You're a loose cannon. Turning in your and gun. Very much that. And then he kind of teams up with this murder suspect to find out the truth because he's got feelings about the situation understandably Mm -hmm. but he also just completely bypasses a bunch of rules when he's meant to be on leave does all this kind of thing Mm -hmm. and that somehow is still enough to sustain a murder investigation to sustain other investigations and prosecute well you know that the implication is that the nuns are going to be prosecuted at at the convent because of evidence that he has found not quite by totally legally, yeah, and that's not really not really addressed. It's just like mm. ah, but he found it, therefore it's fine. There's a lot of hand waving, yeah, yeah, and I don't
1: hate that. I just am surprised by it. I think it could have explored that differently. And I know, like, I'm not watching this show being like, how does the Irish legal system work? <laughs> but I did wonder whether it was leaving it open for more. Mm. And then I thought, no, it's deliberately leaving it open-ended because, this, as I said earlier, because yeah, trauma because is open yeah. But then I thought, well, okay, then I feel like it's maybe a little bit too open-ended. Yeah. And I agree with you, it's, it's almost because for someone whose job and history and life is rules, he's not following any rules. No. Also, Coleman, played by Darren McCormack. Mm-hmm pretty pretty beautiful man Uh, as previously you're a beautiful man when will you wear wigs (laughs) as previously mentioned in our episode about good luck to you leo grand Mm -hmm. um in this show given up for adoption in 1989 i believe he says or born in 19 born in
0: february or given up for adoption february 89
1: yeah when he was
0: six so he's meant to be like 40 yeah,
1: whereas in Leo Grant, he's like 26. So what the fuck is happening with the ages in the show? <laughs> what the so fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> I do, I'm i not going to lie. I spend more
0: time than I should have trying to figure out the ages. Same, because I was like, okay, so she must have gone into the convent when she was like 15, because she mentioned starting at the poly, which would be like, mm-hmm. you're 15, 16. And then I was like, but they're saying that this finished in 96, which would make her this age. I was doing proper... That meme of the woman staring at all the equations and stuff. Yeah, it was some yeah. proper... Yeah.
1: I, I was the guy from It's Always Sunny with all the things. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Charlie, yeah. Yeah.
1: And... and I know that that's not the point. No. But I did feel like that it wouldn't have taken very much to not have people like you and me obsessing over that when there's more important stuff in the story yeah and yes okay fine that's an anxiety response because we're we're deflecting from the trauma by focusing on something that we can potentially solve and i get that and that's fine but if you're trying to tell a story and you're taking two very beautiful famous people who have played every fucking age under the sun Mm. in the last five years just give me a little bit of grounding how old yeah. they're supposed to be. And I think they probably tried to do that, but I, I I, did wonder about the choice of casting, basically. Ruth Wilson is excellent at playing ambiguously moralled women. The main thing I know her from troubles. is... Yeah, here's dark materials. Yes, I've also seen her in other things. She's very good. I think she's fascinating. Like, but I also think
0: that she is ambiguously aged she's playing she's playing someone that is meant to be of an age where they could have had a child who would be the age of our partners, mad, which I don't think tracked no unless this was set ten years ago.
1: yeah, I
0: also was kind of waiting
1: for someone to reveal that they were secretly. Coleman yeah
0: i thought mother. to be honest there was a bit at the beginning where i was like is he her baby and then, and then was, i was like no, 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 yeah baby yeah now. exactly yeah and a baby um, anyway yeah. right to, to... i'm glad they didn't do that <sighs> so yeah so a lot
1: of plot holes which i think to be honest the thing with plot holes is they're really hard to talk about because they're holes in a plot that you're not watching <laughs> and they're missing and so we don't have all the words. The thing about holes
0: is, <laughs> is they don't—they're not there. They're not
1: there. So you—I c- just want to talk briefly about one thing that I didn't like. Okay. Yes. Do tell. We've talked about how this show is really dark. <laughs> but why does this show have to be so fucking dark? So physically dark. Like
0: <laughs> cinematogra- cinematographically dark.
1: Who is the lighting crew at BBC? And can it's I one have-
0: man called Ken? And
1: can I have a word with them? Because. Look, we, all saw, we all saw, we also Wolf Hall. Yep. And we know that that was all like, oh, natural lighting, blah, blah, This is what it would have been we like was... at the time. Like, no wonder Henry had six wives because he just couldn't he just thought tell they were the difference same one. between yeah. them. Yeah. Um, oh, why has this one got
0: a stump <laughs> where their head should be? What's gone on? Um, but
1: this is a, this is a thing that is happening in like gritty uh... shows. But they're just not fucking lit right. And okay, fine. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be watching this show on my phone. But you have to consider that I might be watching this show on my phone. And And for those of us with bad eyesight, it's very inaccessible. I couldn't fucking see half of it. And this show does actually rely on quite a lot of Visual clues, seeing things yes. and clues, which I definitely missed. There's a plaque that I didn't read. There's a news article that he was looking through a me- microfiche that I didn't read. There was a point
0: that I had to pause it just to be able to like peer at what was I happening. I just
1: and I just I know I get it. You're trying yeah. to give ambiance, but I can't fucking see it. And I have 20/20 vision. I just, yeah, please turn up. Please turn on the lights. Turn up the fucking contrast, the my, lights, gu- my, my guys. My
0: guys. So that was my, that's my thing I didn't no, like. No, I think, I think that's perfectly fair. Yeah. Also the one, like, in her house, the red room. The room where the drama happened. Why was it red? Why was everything red? Why was it red in that room? Why was there a red room where she put all her, like, trauma? That had nothing in it except trauma box. Trauma and box. And then dead body. Paintings of Jesus. <laughs> Oh, this is my trauma dead body room. Do you not yeah. have, do you not have one? Poor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was a bit weird. And but
1: also his trauma tunnel. And then he ends his up in the fucking trauma tunnel. Trauma
0: tunnel, yeah, yeah. Fucking trauma tunnel. Didn't like trauma tunnel at all. No. I am not a fan of that. Trauma mm. tunnel is the name of the bar I'm gonna open. <laughs> trauma tunnel is the name of my sex tape. <laughs> drink you've ever made. (laughs) Is it badly lit? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit, the bed. Oh, (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. So trauma tunnels aside, (laughs) we are going to take a small break now, refresh our glasses, and we'll be back to talk some more about the woman in the wall.
1: We're back from our break, mm. and we have topped off our glasses, How do we? Sam, how are you finding the weiss Welsh riesling. Welsh riesling. My jam is
0: not as good as yours. Nein, sorry. danke. Uh, ja, genau. It's very nice. Sehr lecker. Some might say. I, I, I like it. That was just chaos. I'm so sorry. I think it's it's good. I just wouldn't ever pick this as a wine. It's I not think. wine. It's not wine. It's some sort of wine cider hybrid. It's like a cider aperitif. Like a cider wine cocktail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which,
1: if you saw it on a menu, you'd be like, that's going to make me vomit. <clears throat> yeah, That's going to give me a screaming headache tomorrow. Right? Yeah. And I guess that that's kind of appropriate, considering that we're talking about a show in which uh, <laughs> there's a lot of confusion, a lot of bleary faces. There's a literal banshee. Yeah. The Wailing Woman. The Wailing Woman. The Wailing Woman. Speaking of screaming headaches. But yeah, I don't hate it. It's just not wine. It's not really... It's not really pairing with the show in the way that I wanted it to. They don't actually drink very much wine in this show. But then I suppose if you were going to go for any wine, it would be the blood of Christ. <laughs> Sorry for not bringing my sacramental wafers with me. How da- But yeah, it's it's not pairing well with the show necessarily. It's it's a bit too fresh. It's, it's really a bit too summery. I do think that this is lovely picnic wine. Yeah, I can see that.
0: Yeah, because you can
1: just drink this like juice, and then you're <laughs> fucked. So once again, we're talking about the woman in the wall, which is available on BBC. It's a six part series, Beep. starring Ruth Wilson and Daryl McCormack. Oh. Following, oh, he's so pretty, and following. So pretty the trauma and history of the Magdalene laundries in Ireland and the women in baby homes and the kind of traumatic repercussions of that.
0: And the generational trauma. That yes. Brought with it.
1: Speaking of. Yes. How did you feel about the way that this show tackled women's trauma being dismissed mm. and women's experiences being dismissed? i I say specifically women i'd like to caveat that with i recognize and we recognize and i think this show does a really good job of recognizing that this trauma does not exclusively belong to women mm-hmm. this belongs to generations of all all genders and that there are racial elements to this as well and it, it, it explores all facets of that and including you know lgbtq race and gender politics within this but the reason i ask specifically about w- women's trauma is that we are following a female presented person we are following a mother's story and motherhood is a thing that a lot of people would consider synonymous with women. It's not exclusively, but it's it's a thing. And this show exhibits the trait of an unreliable female narrator, which I think is its own little melting pot of and hotspot of discourse. So that's why I wanted to centre women's trauma in this question.
0: Yeah, I think what is done really well in this show, and I read a couple of things around kind of the the way that this is handled is there is a history, throughout history, really, of sidelining women's stories and women's experiences, particularly in putting any kind of display of emotion, any display of of trauma or distress as or hysterical. Dissension. Or Yeah, or dissension as hysterical or heretical or other in, you know, big quotation marks. And I think what's interesting about this show is that even though it's set in current you know modern day it's still kind of giving that vibe initially certainly with with Lorna of like she's been through all this stuff she has these expressions of that trauma which come out through her sleepwalking come out through kind of her her inability to form many relationships really Mm -hmm. she seems to be quite an introvert not that that's a sign of trauma but she doesn't really interact with many people in a way that makes it seem like she, she struggles to do so mm-hmm. as a result of, of what she's been through. And she is kind of treated as other and she is, certainly in the first part of the show, there are these moments that are presented where you're like, I don't know if that really happened. Did she imagine that? And that's this mm. kind of unreliable, unreliable narrative thing you were saying about. Um, and it really creates this sense of, oh, fucking hell, this woman's just crazy. Which is how women have been dismissed throughout history. Um, and then you go through the story and everything becomes much clearer and you understand what she's gone through and that the things she sees and experienced aren't because she is mentally ill. They are because she has reacted to trauma, because she is sleep deprived and eating 17 bags of crisps. <laughs> and then ultimately, and there is a, there is this vindication of... She is convicted of the murder of Eva Cassidy, who turns up dead in her loft. And Coleman says, you know, you, we need to get your story straight. straight. You need to say you weren't of sound mind, you weren't of this thing. And she says, but I'm not mad, and mm-hmm. I never was. And I think it's a really interesting portrayal of that journey of like oh no the mad woman ah just disregard her because she's cray cray Mm. and then at the end she's like no i was never mad i knew exactly what was going on the whole time it's just that no one would listen to me and Mm. that's i I, it was just really well crafted yeah i
1: agree and i think even as a viewer yeah like when she says that you're like "Mm, weren't you and then Mm. it's it's that specific use of that word mad. Mm-hmm. I think this is what one of the things that I really appreciated about the show that I lost somewhat with the lighting was <laughs> um, that, that there are so many details you could blink and you'll miss. Yeah. But the use of the word mad yeah. and that she's like, I was never mad and there's a scene where she is essentially confronted by someone and again you don't know whether it's real or not but At this point, I think you're fairly certain that it is real about being, having been in a psychiatric hospital and having had mental health issues because of this trauma. And that almost directly precedes Mm. this, this moment. And I think the idea that she says, I'm not mad. And that word mad, meaning... So many things. It's just such an all-encompassing, dismissive word. Mm -hmm. And her point is, I might have been sick. I might have been traumatised. I might have been sad. I might have been sleep deprived. Yeah. But I was not insane. I was not out of my right mind. I knew who I was and I knew what had happened to me. I wasn't making shit up. Yeah. Because what this show proves is that she was not making shit up. No. No, she was. She has... She has seen things through sleep deprivation that maybe weren't there, or she has slept, walked, and found herself in strange places. But the things that she has seen that weren't there happened in the past. Her memories have proven to be true. Her hunches have proven to be accurate. And her feelings have always been true, regardless. And the the, the trauma and abuse that happened to her happened to her and happened to other people who have dealt with it in a different way, but have mm-hmm. also gone through their own version of what you could call madness, like drug addiction,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like criminal activity, like repression, like religious repression. There's a, there's a fe- uh, female character who experienced this same kind of trauma and ended up staying with the convent. Mm-hmm. And so her saying, I'm not mad, you're like, yes, that's the point, is that you were never just in a box that we could put to one side. You were many things, and you were still, with all of those things, deserving of justice and deserving of handling like a person. And that's what she's saying. She's like, I am deserving of being held accountable for my actions because everyone else is supposed to be held accountable for their actions. And if I say I was mad and I didn't know what I was doing, yeah. I'm I you could just as easily say it's the it's they were of their time. Yeah. And I felt like that was such a small moment that really does encapsulate how easily when we're trying to solve a problem, when we're trying to reckon with the past, when we're trying to deal with possibly our own actions or the actions within living memory as in this case we want to put things in a box that makes it easily definable easily understandable and easily solvable and she in that moment says i'm not in a box i'm a person that deserves all the good and the bad and that is more than any other
0: figure yeah in this show does yeah any other figure in this show yeah, she's the only one that holds her. Well, except po- possibly Aoife, who ironically is the person that she is responsible except for the death Possibly
1: Except
0: Death of. But Aoife doesn't go to the authorities. Least... No, she goes to the people that were affected. Yeah. And was she doing
1: that to make herself feel better? We don't right, know. That's an argument. We don't know about the woman in the wall, But yeah, I... I thought that this show did a remarkably good job of challenging the unreliable female narrator, Mm. which I have a real problem with anyway, Mm -hmm. and I'm slightly bored of. And I was thinking whilst you were talking, the flashbacks in which we saw young Lorna and young Clements, who is Lorna's friend in the convent. (sighs) She's completely different. This
0: is a young, bright girl who went to parties and that michael her childhood friend is like you were funny at you were funny and she's, and like, she's like no no, no. and she even says i was telling knock knock jokes that's why i got in trouble and it's
1: like she was yeah she was young bright funny obviously had uh friends relationships made plans made college dreams. Yeah. yeah and that that destroyed her and that led her to this person that um has done these actions and there's another and Clemens is the same and, and, and it was harrowing and, and really sad and I'm always getting choked up about it because mm. I think that it was really well done but all of it served to really unpick this if you're an unreliable narrator you should be
0: dismissed yeah and I think it did a really good job of that and even though at the very end Lorna is is convicted and you you see her in prison it was there's still a vindication Mm. she is listened to and even if that means that she's arrested for for what happened she's at peace with that she's yeah and she finally sleeps in the car and things Mm. like that yeah and I think that also ties into some of the other themes of the show which is like obviously this is a show set in in a very catholic country it's centered around convents there are, there are priests like religion is a very big part of this mm-hmm. story what do you think this says about redemption sin all of those very inherent catholic through lines that mm-hmm. form such a big part of of the faith
1: yeah i i don't know how to, i don't have fully formed thoughts about this but i i felt really strongly this sense of redemption
0: mm.
1: in this show and it is redemption on a lot of different levels there was you know the redemption of the the mothers being like i'm a i'm a bad mother because i abandoned my child and, and basically coming to terms with how much you truly had control over When something bad happens to you. And and, and I think that if you take away the specific circumstances of this, it's the idea of trauma. When something terrible happens to you that is out of your control, you still carry a lot of guilt about that. yeah, Because you think that there is some way that you should have done that differently. And so there was that element. And then there was also the atoning for looking the other way. Mm -hmm. And that was... to be honest, the part that I felt the most, that hit me the hardest, because I, f- I felt this this community that they were living in, where a lot of them were still living there, they start off by saying, oh, we're so close and we're so boring and nothing ever happens. Yeah. And the detective, Marcy. Coleman. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, no, and yeah. Coleman says, you know, like, if you're so boring and you're so close near, how the fuck did you not know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, was happening, yeah.
1: and Massey says there's a difference knowing between knowing and, knowing and knowing. Yeah, and then at the end, he's like, "I fucking knew, and I should have done something." And then in the final episode, he's like, "I'm fucking doing something, and I'm coming for you, and your days are numbered." Yeah, and, and you're like, his yes! arc, yeah, his yeah. arc was small, hmm. but it was really powerful. And <laughs> I love my sex day. <laughs> Sorry. And there was, you know, there were scenes within this where there are persistent injustices that keep mm. on happening mm. that come to fruition in really small and satisfying ways referring back to that humor that we were talking about there is a character in this whose name i completely forgotten who is the antagonist of amy one of thomas the women. thomas one of the one of the women who was in the convent and he's constantly like fine her because it turns out he was the father of her child yeah And he comes. Fucking worst. He's the fucking worst. And he comes into this meeting of these women when they're celebrating and has a go, and then basically says that her child was better off having died. And she punches him. And then Massey, the detective, goes. So he slipped. Yeah, Yeah, we all saw him slip. Yeah, no, he slipped. Yeah, definitely
0: slipped. And then when he picks him up, he's like, "Come on, let's get you a plaster or something." Yeah, and it
1: was just, and it was so Uh satisfying. And it's that, it's that kind of thing where this was a known. Antagonism
0: yeah. that had
1: been going on for 30 fucking years. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, and <sighs> you can say all you want about better late than never, but there is an element of redemption is better late than never here. And I don't think that anyone in this show is entirely redeemed of their actions, including Lorna and walling someone up in a wall. Mm. But there is movement towards redemption. And I think that in, in Catholicism, redemption and sin is such a huge like theme, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really particularly poignant that there are characters in this and the characters that are the most stuck in their ways and unredeemable are the ones that claim to be the most holy. Yeah. And I... I'm not a Catholic, but I am a Christian. And I really, really hate people using Christianity to justify their shitty actions. More so that, importantly. Yes, yes, like, I yes, care yes. more about yeah. that than I do people telling me that I'm a shitty person because I'm a Christian. Right,
0: okay. Fine.
1: Like, because I care more about the fact that people are doing shitty things in the name of the God that I believe in. Yeah, the, the God of love. Yeah, but we're just going to Yeah, you over the God it. of love, the God of, hey, don't be a dick, and don't be a dick. Yeah. And so... The whole idea of of sin and redemption these these the supposedly holy people the fucking bitch fucking nun AKA the mother superior mm. and the priest and then the guy who's Father the lawyer Percy Shin and they're all snaky horrible people and there are also good Catholic people yeah there is the current priest there is the former nun who is clearly still religious because she has a
0: little cross on her necklace. Mm-hmm very prominently placed in that shot yeah
1: it does a good job of showing that anyone could be redeemed but they have to choose it yeah and i appreciated that but it also does a good job of saying that sin should be punished like and by sin they mean transgressions against humans and their rights they're not talking about the sins of having sex before marriage or whatever, because they're very clearly saying that that idea of sin is bullshit. But they are saying, hey, if you abuse human rights or if you fucking murder people, you deserve to be punished. And again, that's one of the things that I really appreciated about Lorna going to jail at the end yeah. of this, because she's like, I'm not above this sin. Yeah, And sin is a different, you know, sin is, sin is the word that's used in the context of the show. You could call it transgression, law, rule breaking, etc. But the reason I use the word sin is because it it brings that stark contrast between the actions of the, the people who fucking abused women and children versus the people who didn't but did other things. And I'm not a scholar. I am not even a particularly good Christian. I have a belief that I believe in that is because of partially the the village in which I was raised in. It's not necessarily true of my family, but it is the thing that I relate to because that is what I'm familiar with it with. And I refer to you know, like I feel the way that I feel. But if there's one thing that pisses me off, it's fire and brimstone folks who kill people. <laughs>
0: But it's, yeah, it's all very black and white, isn't it? And then the whole point of this show is that nothing is black and white except don't traffic other people's babies. Yeah. And don't kill people and put them in walls. Yeah. These are the new commandments as laid down, as laid down. by Sam and Kim.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, I stand by it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sounds I'm with
0: you good. On that. Yeah. So you mentioned Massey there and his kind of arc from small town, just a small town cop, into. <laughs> <laughs> well I wasn't expecting that oh I'm sorry I should have waited until you swallowed the <laughs> title of my sex tape hey. <laughs> but yeah so he he goes from this kind of yo you know we're just sleepy village no one really there's, we're boring nothing happens to oh shit there'd be people trafficking happening Yeah, and I'm gonna take ownership for my part in that and I'm gonna make it my responsibility to to right some wrongs and I really enjoyed that and do you, do you know what, him as a character I really enjoyed and he has Skelly, who is his kind of funny, <laughs> weird little sidekick. Yeah, really enjoyed him as well. But there are there's an element in this story, and you talked about like how this how the trauma that's shown in the show is not just female trauma that it, it it's generational; it affects everybody who was touched by this by the Magdalene by the Magdalene laundries, and the mother and baby homes. But there is an element at points where this could go into a kind of male savior. Mm-hmm direction particularly Michael um, who is this uh, school friend of um, Lorna's who turns up on the fateful night that Aoife disappears and they kind of have this it's never quite a relationship but it's a friendship but it could be a relationship Mm. and then he's like let me take you away from here kind of thing and there are and even with Coleman who is who was a baby adopted from all these situations it's about his trauma as well and him trying to right this wrong How do you think this show balances multi-gender trauma and resolution against hero syndrome? Mm. Male hero, Mm. white knight, save the day kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a really good observation. And I don't know if I have a fully articulate answer. But I do... I have a sense that it does navigate that. Mm. Whether I can fully articulate how is another question. But... I do think that it handles it well. There are three main candidates for hero ship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There is Coleman, mm-hmm. there is Massey,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there is Michael.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Coleman is the detective, the Dublin detective placed by Daryl McCormack. Massey is the
0: hometown police Garda detective played by someone i don't know but he looks like he would have been played by robbie coltrane 20 years ago mm-hmm. yeah and then
1: michael is the guy who's in town for a wedding who kind of has some weird connection yes. with lorna yeah the most obvious white knight
0: mm-hmm.
1: is darren McCormack's character Corman. Coleman. Corman. and i think that that is almost deliberately undone by the fact that he is he is part of this web, he is part of this drama. Yep. So he, he, to put it really bluntly, he gets passed because of that. And yeah. throughout this, the first three episodes of this, they're a war with each other. They're, you know, they're antagonists. Yeah. I mean, it's not war, but they're, you know, they're antagonists. He's trying
0: to prove that she's guilty. Yeah, and, and yeah. then
1: they form an unlikely partnership. And I think we've... He's exploring his own trauma, she's exploring her trauma, they are exploring their trauma together. They both cross lines, they both see each other's views and they are as needed to each other throughout the plot as each other. So I, I always feel like they're, they are equals in both their experience, their reason for being in the plot their relationship with the plot, and their actions. Yeah. yeah. So I think that kind of removes the idea that, that he is some kind of male saviour. Mm. That he could have been anyone mm. in that position. He just happened to be a man. Yeah, sure. And I think that also helps because he's younger. You know, he's supposed to be a younger detective. He's also mixed race, and that is a part of his story. mm mm-hmm. And I think and his that, treatment as and like his, his treatment
0: um, child of an unwed mother. Yeah,
1: yeah, and also as part of his his treatment in the force that he's in. So there yeah. is more at play than just he is a man saving a woman. He is also not believed. He also faces challenges, and there is there's just so much complexity in those two stories that it 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 falls beyond as it should gender. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Massey, who we've kind of talked about his redemption arc. And how he, arguably I think that he falls next in line to this kind of like he might seal the show mm. in a kind of way of like, oh, he's
0: isn't he great? He's got he, kind of lovable sidekick vibes, yeah, but, but he's strong
1: not lo- yeah there strong, lovable sidekick, but not quite lovable enough, not quite lovable enough, and I think that. If you look to this, you might be like, well, he's been given all this redemption. He's totally fine by the end of it. Isn't it Mm -hmm. great that he's, like, good for him? And actually, I think that he does... The the, the writers have done a really good job of having him admit his fault in every episode. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good example of how to balance ally
0: versus
1: hero. Yeah. And then the final one, which was the one that made me the most uncomfortable, actually... Was this Michael chap? Where, this Michael fellow. Where they were kind of having this weird, like, not quite romantic, but not quite bordering romantic, on a romantic relationship, and will they, won't they, and why is he into her, and I don't really get it, and we knew her from school, and blah, blah, and is he going to take her, literally, take her away from all of this, which is what she he like, fucking
0: says. Yeah. And, and she's, so she's just stabbed him, essentially. Yeah. And he's like, let me take you away. You are like,
1: yeah. Come it's on, it's mate. super cheesy. And it almost felt like so cinematic that you wondered whether she was maybe imagining it. And the fact that she's like, I need to be alone now. Yeah. And I think that it does a really good job of, that storyline does a really good job of undercutting it. I almost wish it had never been included Mm. because I think that it was distracting. Mm -hmm. But I still think that at some point, in this narrative the writers veered away from and everything is going
0: to be okay for her because she's found love and i think the good thing about all of those narratives about about colman about Massey, and about michael is they are representations of men who think they can help and do help but they, they aren't saviors whereas yeah, on the other hand the other male characters in this plot, you have the uh, the priest, um, Father Percy Sheehan, who mm-hmm. is killed. You have his accomplice, whatever he's called, Ignatius J. McCullen, mm-hmm. I think he's called. Um, sure. James whatever. James Coyle is what mm-hmm. he goes by. Who think they are saving people, who think they are being these saviours mm-hmm. and who are actually doing harm. And I think having those two n- male, like two groups of male the foils. But yeah, yeah. I think that was really good. Um, and also just like, maybe you think you're doing good, but maybe you should shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> so we're wrapping up the show today. But before we go, we have some wine to rate and we have a show to rate. So the wine again. It's the Weiss okay, so... by Hannah Glatze. Yes. The Welch Riesling oui. cloudy, supposedly white wine, but tasted like cider. Yeah. Kim, thoughts, feelings, rating. It got worse
1: the more I drank it. Sorry.
0: Chilled cider drink, lovely. Wine,
1: not so much.
0: Mm -hmm. Fine, fuzzy teeth,
1: three grapes.
0: It was higher than I thought you were going to go. To be honest, yeah, I I liked it. I thought it was it was more palatable than I thought it was going to be. Considering when she handed it to me, I was like, oh god, why is it? Why is it sedimenty? <laughs> but it was actually quite nice. It was very cidery It was quite sweet. I did get the riesling thing. Though. Like it was quite mm. rieslingy. So yeah, I'll go for three as well. I think. Yeah, yeah. It just it's... it was it was good surprisingly fine for something that looks so weird for, for something that looked like it had been brewed in your dad's toilet <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah take that however you will and how did you feel about the woman in the wall which again is the BBC drama starring Ruth Wilson and Daryl McCormack
1: I have to say I really enjoyed there's got to be a better Ooh. word than
0: enjoyed appreciated <sighs>
1: Yeah, I appreciated this show. It was definitely a vibe. It was definitely a vibe I like. I would have preferred to not watch six episodes in one day, but that's on me. I thought that it was a well-handled, well-written story about something that we should talk about that mm. is a, you know, a national disgrace and that has continual repercussions and is indicative of the kind of trauma and hidden history that we are continuing to reckon with i thought it was well handled there were some plot points and some issues but i surprisingly thought that really it was a cut above how this kind of thing could be sensationalized and handled yes so i'm giving it four grapes four yeah Ah. i thought it was particularly well done very good
0: yeah and what about you it's very hard, I think, with this kind of show to separate what you enjoy, versus, as you have just said, what you enjoy versus what you can appreciate for the subject matter and the way it's told. I think if I were, I, I think i go with you. I think I'd go with a four, but that's not from personal enjoyment, because I really struggle with this. Yeah. It's not what I would watch normally. It's not an enjoyable storyline, but I can appreciate its significance for this event in history. I think some of the writing was was really great. Cinematography less so. Put some Mm -hmm. fucking lights on, like you said. (laughs) So yeah, four. That's good four. Yeah,
1: I think that's fair.
0: So that's the end of the show tonight. Don't forget, to, if you are listening on an Apple device, to give us a rating, maybe leave us a review because we'd love to know what you think. You can find us on our website as well if you want more information about the show and the wine. We are grapeculturepodcast.co.uk or we're on social media. We're on Twitter slash X uh, as Grape Pod or we are on Instagram at GrapeCulturePodcast. Podcast. Don't forget to join us in two weeks. We'll be back with a brand new episode just for you, baby. A year. Bye. Bye.